I'm kind of the, the intro? intro, so I'll let someone else do. Yeah, yeah, you can do the intro, man. Like, hey guys, this is Ska Dads. I'm not a Ska Dad. Remember, we already like said ska. you're a Ska Dad because no. you were a Ska uh, Puppy Dad. I'll be your Ska Daddy. Yeah, Ska Daddy. Dads, uh, yeah, here we are again. This is, I, I believe, this is episode. Is it twenty-one? Uh, hey, yeah, 21. all right. It took twenty-one. It took twenty-one episodes for them to let me drive the car. <laughs> I, I still did not approve that. Did not approve that. Mike's gonna drive it off the cliff, though. Have you ever watched Quadrophenia? That's like the key moment yeah. in the. You know, if you're gonna be the ace, you gotta go drive the Vespa off the cliff. So he's not Ace Face. What's that? Uh, he's not Ace Face. No, that's right. It's right. Just the guy. He's Jimmy. You're right. It's Jimmy, not the bellboy. Uh. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Sting. So that we're we're. You're now you're now you're now you're like me when I tell jokes on stage and they they only land for me. Uh, we're immediately going off track here. This is how uh, the Ska Dads works. Perfect. I am joined here by the actual hosts. Uh, we have Bobby Bobson and AJ and some of my uh, special guests that I thought would be fun to talk to today. Wait, how are they yours? Wait, ha- hold on. Hold-, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hello. Hold on, hold on. How are they your Welcome. special guests? They're our special guests. Sorry. I'm going to re-say that. You want me to re-fucking... Re- Bang it, bang it, bang, bang, bang. Re- rewind selector. All right. Okay, ready? Um, so I'm here with uh, my my fellow hosts here, actually part of the real host. We got Bob, AJ, and in the house are special guests, John and Claire from the Free Coasters. Hello. What's up, guys? Hi. 
Bum, bum, bum. All the way down from the uh, sunny South Florida. How are things down there? Very sunny. It's like 59, 61 degrees, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Nice. Can we trade? Because it was so like. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But <laughs> yeah. You're not disappointing me. I mean, I'm in sunshine over here as well. Yeah. yeah. It'll be sunny so. tomorrow. Yeah, that's not fair. It was like 15 degrees here today. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about how the intro went before we started <laughs> edit it out. I know, but now they're going to know. If, if we keep referencing the, it, then he can't edit it out, and we got to leave it in there. Well, you guys, well, the freak, you guys have been kind of busy, right? Like, you guys have been doing shows, uh, like, kind of spread out throughout, like, the pandemic. So what's been going well, on with you guys? Do you want me to talk? Or yeah, go for it. <laughs> Slackfest was fun. Slackfest was a hoot. We had a great time. The turnout was really, really good. I think, you know, considering that it was a pandemic, but it was pretty cool. They were, they, um, everybody was pretty cool about wearing their masks the whole time, showing their vaccine cards and stuff down here in Florida. It's a, so slightly different territory, um, you know. But down here was the whole the whole pandemic situation. It was just really bizarre here compared to everywhere else. Um, you know, we were, I, w- I know I was back to work, like, immediately, like, in the middle of the pandemic, I had to get back to work. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm an independent musician, I, I don't, I wasn't getting unemployment or anything like that, so I just kind of had to put my nose to the grindstone, so to speak, and just get back out there, and, you know, I think it was May of 2020. Yeah, everything was down for, like, 60 days here, like, for other people, yeah. it was, like, 15 months, and, like... After like sixty yeah. days down here, they're like, "All right, well, go die for capitalism." Like, <laughs> yeah, Florida man, Florida man does not break for uh, pandemics. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I think that's actually a really interesting point of distinction, Claire. Like you like brought it up. I wanted to actually touch on this yeah. at some point, which is that you know, for the most part, I mean, you completely are just making your living off of music, right? And John, uh, you are as well, or maybe you're doing some extra stuff, but like, you know, this isn't like some weekend warrior stuff for you guys. You guys are like really entrenched in just playing music. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% musician. Like I teach a couple, um, music class. I teach voice at school of rock right now. Um, I have like two students. I teach like one day a week, but other than that, um, like I think you get paid the same to work at Target as you do there, but like um, being a musician is just like I had made that jump a few years before the a couple years before the pandemic, and it was my full time thing. So it's like imagine being like a plumber or an electrician, and suddenly you're not allowed to quote gig, you know, or like get work or have clients, and it's just you know. I, I don't want to like throw shade at people, but a lot of people were not in our shoes down here. So um, they had a lot to say about us going back to work. And, um, you know, I, I felt like my friends and I who are also full-time musicians, we were all being super careful. We were all being very respectful of other people. And most of my friends didn't get COVID until like right now, you know, in 2022. I got it like immediately when I went back to work because, you know, people in bars, um, especially Florida people in bars, uh, it's this, they, they just, uh, they, and, and after, after the shutdown down here, it was like they were emboldened by, <laughs> I don't know, common decency in some ways down here. Um, I, you know, I feel like there's no like nice way to say that stuff. I don't want to alienate people, but like, it's not like, I don't ever want people touching me. You know, I don't ever want people kissing me on the cheek. I don't ever want people singing in my microphone, but like, 
<laughs> so what? This is this is like in some ways there's like a silver lining. Like you're like, no, no one's touching me anymore, man. Well, no, they were. They were. They they were. Like as oh, soon Jesus. as I went back to work, people were like, you know, at the same gig, I'm gonna need to use your microphone. I'm like, are you? Because I don't think so. Like you don't get to touch my microphone. And then they, the, just the way that they would act about it, like they would stand on the stage and like shout rather than using my microphone. So it would, you know, make me look like my boundaries made me crazy. Or um, people are like, you're gonna, you're gonna hug me now. Like, tell me what I'm gonna do. And this stuff still happens. Like people just have no boundaries or no respect for them a lot of the time. And it's. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Oh my God. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's what, you know you're sort of stuck with if you're trying to you know make a living off music right and in, in yeah. especially specifically like where you guys are at which is like really incredible i mean like it seems like you just how many how many gigs or how many days of the year do you think you gig at this point personally um after after wednesday i don't have another day off for three weeks Wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, for three weeks, and then I have, like, one day or two days off. No, I have, like, I took four days off after that run, but the band plays probably what, like... Anywhere from three gigs a month to eight gigs a month, I'd say. Yeah. Day, you know, we yeah. try to have at least three. Maybe we should take a step back here for a second and talk about, like, the band and, you know, where you guys are coming from, because um, you just released the second album. Like yeah. I say, just release because there's the, the sense of time right now is fucked. Yeah, but <laughs> we, we weren't able to like do anything. Like, uh, well, it's a pandemic record, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know. Like we couldn't tour on it. We couldn't like it's. It feels like it's going to be brand new for another year. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like you couldn't do anything to promote it at all, other than post on your Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I got two things in the works for the first half of this year that I'm hoping. You know, we were encouraged by our experience uh, going up to Slackfest and seeing that the rest of the world is like, is like taking like a hybrid approach, like taking it seriously and trying to get their lives back together. And like when we were just down here in Florida, we we're like, oh, well, we live on another planet where people are pretending this isn't happening. So we, we had, we weren't in touch with it at all, like what the rest of the world was like. But going and playing a few shows, you know, like Ann Arbor and Chicago and seeing, oh, so like it, maybe it's possible like maybe it's possible to to do the hybrid thing you know in the rest of the world you know um so i'm working on a tour th- back through the midwest in april uh and then we're trying to go up the east coast in june yeah i yeah, saw you guys yeah, got we're, a we're dc doing, date uh, too. we're doing uh, uh blue beat yeah. dc uh, andy sets that up and and she's she put us on it i got to her in time like she books that out so far out ahead um we're looking for something in Baltimore, though. Yeah, I don't know what the heck to do in Baltimore, <laughs> if you know. <laughs> well, lucky for you, you have two people from oh. Baltimore. And I, I think I think AJ actually runs this thing that we call it the Scott Command Center. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very important organization, a group of people who, who you know, uh, get together. Oh, the camp. Hey, wait, he just did he just do- the, did he just like turn off? Did I, I feel like I just exposed his like dark secret. Yeah, the command center. The, the command center. It's running on dial-up it's internet. It's been burned. It's still being recorded, but he's it's not displaying it because his internet connection slow. 
Uh, you know, that's what happens. Like, he's literally living in the 90s, man. He's probably on AOL still, like, listening to Sky, trying to download shit on LimeWire. The way he yeah. was originally played. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, really, really heavy, hardcore into the vintage aesthetic. Like, he If lives you can life. hear me, I heard all of it. <laughs> all of it. 1997 hit. I was happy. I decided not to move on. <laughs> Staying right here. I'm just gonna log. I'm just gonna start my a, a, aim chat right now. Right. I want to know what your yeah. AIM screen name was, yeah. Bobby. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Rocker B. Oh, of course it was. Oh man, yeah. you gotta throw numbers on there. You know what I mean? Not very like, clever. It, it, no AIM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like handle is. Really, you need like something, you know, like a number in there that makes no sense, a couple X's, maybe different size X's, capitals. <laughs> yeah, you have to have the lowercase X. My first AOL was pretty good. I wanted to be El Cabong, like the, the Hannah Balboa. <laughs> and somebody already had El Cabong, but I was SR Cabong, Senior Cabong. That's oh. what I thought was <laughs> That's good. Oh, that's good. No, no numbers or anything. Else. You had to daddy up on him. Yeah, I did okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had to daddy up on him. I want to I know what Mike's and AJ's were. <laughs> Are they that bad, really? I'm apparently still using it every single day right now. I'm stuck in the 90s. Yeah, you guys keep talking in the past tense. What's that? I had for a while. I know one of mine was yeah. 77 Primavera. No, that no, that was your uh, your live journal. Oh, my God. AJ still reads your live journal, it yep. seems like, right? Oh my God. AJ and I actually oh met. God. On live journal. Oh, true cool. story. Yeah, true, and, like, true I didn't story. even remember this. And then like we met in person, and he was like, "Dude, I know you from live journal." Like, because you read all my diaries. Yeah. You read my deepest, darkest secrets. You know, that I would so never tell he's leaving out oh the God. part. Like he's leaving story. out the part. No, he's leaving out the part. That he joined a ska nerd uh, thing on Live Journal, and that's where I met him. <laughs> yes, yes, it was yeah. a ska nerd thing. Yeah, and you had to be approved. <laughs> it was, yeah, he was going to leave yeah, that. I out. had a friend yeah. on there who was also Pakistani, and fucking AJ basically like jumped on us. He was like, "Oh my god, you guys are cool, so cool!" And J- AJ has never stopped kissing my ass since. <laughs> oh, kindly go fuck <laughs> yourself, guys. I love that. I one of one of the funniest things I remember recently when you guys were t- were together, they're both um they they were both at my wedding, incredibly drunk at the at the after party, and Mike Mike is falling asleep at the bar, and AJ is really drunk too, but he's staring at Mike like he's in love with him. And I'm like, I was debating I whether to punch that. him or not. And he's he's making he made no he made sure your head wasn't falling off the bar. He kept fixing with your elbow. Classic. Goddad move. As, as you were not trying off. to drink a Manhattan and it was just so spilling everywhere, like in like one of those martini lines, was just like shit spilling all over the place. And literally, literally an hour later, they were both asleep. I, I lost both of them in the elevator, and they were on. They were riding the elevator up and down, and and they both both at different parts of the evening ended up asleep on the floor of the hotel at a certain wow. point by the bar. This is, this is all yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. a post uh, yeah. 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 This, this, yeah, this is not going out there. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying the relationship, they're very close. That's, that's all I'm going to... I love that for you guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Claire, I, we didn't ask Claire what her yeah, a, aim yeah, name she was. She, she didn't. She didn't tell us. She brought it, the question. It was probably like tell Fio- Fiona Apple, nineteen eighty-six. Okay, so do you? It was actually though. <laughs> it was something like very Lilith Fair. Um, oh, it's so close. Come on. So the first like little band that I was in wasn't really a band it was like a duo thing with a girl I met in French class who was super super um, eccentric uh, and she like named our band Ophelia's Asylum it was just the two of us and so I had some like some uh, something to do with that I don't remember like so nice. Ophelia's Asylum. I know that's so deep. Yeah, that's it's just like so deep. Less less cool. But I was in a. Uh, I had my own uh, back when Wares with a Z was a thing and like pirating software and all that. I was in a Wares group and uh, me and my friend Mark, who's who, amazingly he moved across the country and we both got into ska music and now we're we're Facebook friends. He's friends with all the guys in the Prize Fighters. But uh, anyway, we had a, a, a Wares group called Faded with a PH. Faded Gods Consortium. <laughs> Whoa! You were cool. That is. That's some next level stuff. You should get a tattoo of that somewhere. It would look like the Great Malenko or something. <laughs> on your face? Like a SoundCloud rapper? <laughs> That's when you guys make it big. That's when you start getting face tattoos. That's usually like the sign of, like, I have so much money, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Get a job well, well, I guess I guess the next question we could just talk about would be like, how did, how did the band form? So Scott, our original drummer, Scott and I would have met when I was probably 16 and he was 17. Our, our girlfriends were best friends when we were in high school, Scott's girlfriend and my girlfriend. Uh, and eventually we lived together uh, after school and then we had another band, uh, uh, another like a more of a traditional Scott band with less kind of reggae in it. But we lived in kind of a punk house that was like diagonally shared a backyard kind of with another punk house. And we'd have like dance parties and, and that kind of shit. On Victoria Avenue. Which we named a song after. Because uh, he met his wife <laughs> at one of those at one of those parties, one of those dance parties. But uh, anyway, in the course of meeting Scott meeting his wife, uh, this crew of, of kids would start coming around from the college and Claire was in that crew of kids. And this is like 2003. This is 15, 18 years ago now. Um, God damn, we're getting old. You are. I'm so, not. so this was all like four years after that wasn't was when Scott and I started the other band. Uh, that went around for like three years. The Bradford Sound. And then, um, uh, which somebody was just talking about on Twitter. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to call. Are you guys? Are you guys going? Uh... No, I was just saying. I was saying I had to call Scott to tell him that I saw the name "The Brentford Sound" on Twitter. Somebody was talking about our old band that never did anything. But uh, anyway, um, so that band broke up. Uh, Scott got married. Scott had a kid. I had not really given up on doing a band of that style. So I spent like three or four years trying to do, trying to get people together to put a band like that together. And had a bunch of weirdos play bad guitar in my living room in my dining room at my dining table <laughs> my, my, yeah yeah Kate, yeah. Kate told you Kate, what did Kate yeah, tell you Kate told me I had to get a space to do this because I couldn't bring people like that to our house anymore. <laughs> this is like a Craigslist especial 
Yeah, you have to, you have to be careful yeah. of meeting, you know, <laughs> random musicians on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. But that, that was how you networked at some is, uh, point, too, though, you know. for some of the weirdos that I <laughs> But, uh... Well, you are, you are putting up Craigslist ads in Florida, dude. Like... Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm asking for it, you know. Serves us right. But, uh, eventually I got a little thing going. I had a couple of people together, but what I didn't have was a drummer, so I went back to Scott... And uh, I asked Scott, you know, I know you don't, you can't do a thing, you can't do a full-time thing, but can you help me make a demo? And I thought, if I have a demo, then I at least can, like, show it to people to be, like, play like this. Would you be interested in a thing like this? And we start, we set about doing that, and uh, I think, you know, Scott kind of got the love for it again and remembered that he'd always kind of wanted to do it. And I don't know what conversation, that was in the basement at, in this basement i guess is generous too and these like four distilt houses you know what i mean where like Pine island yeah where people Scotland. you'll finish the the area under the stilts and call it the basement but it's all above ground you know but uh yeah so we were we were practicing down there so i don't know what conversations went on upstairs i don't know you know how much of it was an argument how much of it, they were on the same page but eventually they came to an agreement scott and his wife that he should be in the band so that was how we got started um and then scott I am an eternal pessimist, and Scott is, like, a total dreamer. So we were looking for a singer, and Scott's like, we should go to, there's this thing in Fort Myers called uh, Music Walk that would go on, like, once a month. And being a pessimist, I'm like, anybody we find at Music Walk is already going to have a gig. They're not going to be interested in joining a startup band. And Scott, you know, being a dreamer was more like, well, you don't know that until you find them. So we went down there, and uh, we walked all around. And what is, what is Music Walk? It's just like uh, it's a it's a weird thing. It's not weird. Well, like, it's like it's it like, is weird that like the barber shop will hire a musician to hang out out front. You know what I mean? Oh, like it is it's cool. They ha- they hire people to loiter. Yeah, yeah. But like all the venues would it's open nice. up. Any place that would make sense to have music would have musicians, and also shops and things like that would all hire musicians. So like you couldn't go like four or five doors down any given street in the downtown area without running into somebody performing on the street. That's really cool. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it is cool. It is. I, I, it's. It is like busking. Yeah, it's totally. It's just sort of encouraging it. Yeah, but they're getting paid. They're getting paid. Like the the city that would the, the city would organize it, and they'd give they'd have a budget for it, and the businesses who wanted to partake could get some of the money to pay. So the musicians were getting paid for it too. No, they weren't. Not well, every time. I wasn't getting paid. Oh, <laughs> well, they're supposed to. Well, but some. I think people would. I think. I think some of the quote-unquote venues, barbershops, boutiques, whatever, would kind of just join it in a guerrilla fashion and not actually join it and just want to kind of piggyback on it. And that's where people were getting paid. Gotcha. Anyway, Claire was doing a thing at an actual venue kind of thing, like an art center thing that was like the last place we went, all discouraged. And uh, she was singing, and Scott's like, why the hell did I not think of Claire? And like I knew Claire could sing, but I didn't know like how well she could sing. And... Uh, and uh, so Scott approached her after her performance. We all, you know, we're all blown away by her performance there. And Scott approached her after her, after her performance. And uh, I wasn't privy to that conversation, so Claire would have to tell you about that. But uh, I guess somehow hoodwinked her into coming out to a rehearsal. Wait, so did you guys know each other? <laughs> did you guys know each other before this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's where I started at the punk house. Oh, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, sorry. I forgot. That was like yesterday. Yeah. So Megan, <laughs> Megan is Scott's wife and... Were you guys roommates or just friends? Yeah, so Megan and I, Scott's wife, Megan, uh, she was my college roommate. And I was going to Hoople House because her high school friend who lived with us was my college friend. She's who introduced us. And um, 
that was, her name is Katie. She was the one who was inviting me to Hoople, that that punk house where they did a bunch of a bunch of shows and through a bunch of parties and stuff and I would hang out there sometimes. So I knew Scott. He used to do some recordings for me back in the day and I had like not talked to anybody in that scene in a very long time. Like mm, like a really long time. And then I see Scott walking in uh, in this in this venue downtown where I was playing and uh, I saw his son with him who I had never met and uh, he must have been like three years old or something around that time. Um, and I was like, holy shit, dude, it's so like nice to see you. I didn't see Megan anywhere and I saw this like group of long-haired people sort of like lurking around. I saw David, our old keyboard player. I was like, this must be a band. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, he asked me if I'd be interested in singing for a reggae band and I was like, I, at the time, like, I know I know some people must know that I don't come from a reggae background. Like, I was into ska music a little bit in the 90s. Um, I was into some, like, punk music in the 90s. But a lot of, like, my background is, like, singer-songwriter, like, angry folk girl um, stuff like, you know, Ani DeFranco. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of, there, there's a big soul background that I have, too. The stuff I grew up listening to, like Aretha Franklin and... Mavis Staples, Gladys Knight, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's comes a huge through. influence for me. Yeah, yeah I, I loved all of that. Those were my idols growing up before I like learned about, you know, modern music like the cranberries and, and like back at the time, you know, that was modern to me. I remember the first time I heard the cranberries. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, the cranberries? <laughs> when, when did you first hear the cranberries in Nine. Yeah, oh yeah, they were so new in 2020. <laughs> They were so new, so fresh. But so um, I was, you know, so all I knew of reggae bands was like what I was seeing around me at the time. And I was seeing like a bunch of, you know, white kids with, uh, well, like, you know, dreadlocked white kids that smoked a lot of weed and wrote a lot of ganja songs and had a lot of parties and got really fucked up, fucked around a lot. And like spoken patois and I was like y'all are from like Michigan <laughs> Shit. Yeah. like yeah that make it make sense <laughs> but I you know so I would hear that and I would just be like this is really gross like it to me it, it felt like really insensitive to do that like you guys aren't Jamaican what are you doing it's like <clears throat> to me it would be like the the equivalent of walking up to a, a Mexican person and like Putting on like a Cheech Marin accent, or, or uh, do you know what I mean? Like it just is like, why are you doing that? Yeah, or Speedy Gonzalez, or yeah, let me think of what are the other offensive Latino ones. Uh, talking like Ricky Ricardo. I don't want to. Uh, I don't even want to start my <laughs> side because it'll get really weird. You know, but you know, like it just felt weird. So I said to Scott, like, um, you know, sure, I guess so, because he was like, well, we. We wanted to be like a soul thing, you know, like Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah. that interests me. And and I was like, but it's reggae? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't have to, like, talk in a fake Jamaican accent, do I? Like, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> like, you, you had to get the talk. This is like the every time uh, a ska dork meets yeah. a non-ska dork. They have to like just have like a disclosing. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like when you a CIA pulls somebody into a room and they're like, okay, we're gonna have to like 
you know, let you know about all this garbage. This is a skinhead uh, comes you know, along with it, stuff. playing this kind of music, man. Yeah, we waited till we had like four songs in the works before we even uttered the word skinhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna you're gonna hear the word skinhead. We didn't want to scare her off. Well, yeah, when they brought it up in the room, I was like. I was like yeah, in we're a, talking in about a rhythm, fucking like, shed. Talking about, like a guitar, <laughs> a guitar like, you know, stroke pattern, you know, like I'll play like a skinhead reggae. And she's in the shed out on Pine Island. Yeah, like, I'm under this person's fucking about? house next to his lawnmower out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And they're telling me skinhead. And I'm like, the fuck did I find myself in? She's like, <laughs> where am what? I? I'm like, my eyes are darting to all the exits. They're like, all right, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Blue eyes. I know why I'm here. I know. I know. They, they were like, they're like, wait. They were like, you're like, you look at yourself. You're like, wait, I'm blonde. I'm white. But they they must have done they must have done a good job because Claire came back after after that. That's so that's why we know. had to wait a little while so that she had yeah. some skin in the game yeah. before we again. Well, you know, like being in a band with yeah. John and Scott, like two people who are like they bleed like reggae and, and ska music, um, and they're so abreast of the history of it and they respect it so much. I learned so much about the music from them and just hearing them like like nerd with each other in the band room was really really cool for somebody like me that I just you know I appreciated the knowledge to know where we what what we were trying to do and understand what we were coming from so that I could pay respect to it, you know, without like joining this this style of music I didn't understand yet and like John's like a. You've talked to him, Questa. He's like an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. I am not. He is. There are going to be people listening to this who actually are. <laughs> well, yeah, y'all yeah. should be friends. That's not true. No, yeah. John is just actually an encyclopedia. Absolutely. Oh my god. Well, well, how did? I, well, well, John too. Like, how did? How did you stumble upon it? Like, like I know you mentioned the band before, but like, do you remember how? How did you become interested in playing? ska or reggae so i was into uh back when the radio used to play you know rock and roll music before the death of uh you know rock radio <laughs> but like before like back when like a, a, a town or whatever would have you know a radio station and the radio station would have a musical like programmer or director or whatever who would like actually make choices and like you would go to different places and like the radio would be different in different places so I was into, you know, like radio rock and like back when you, like when you used to hear like Dinosaur Jr. on the radio, you know, like which you would never hear now. You know, like a band with that, like that would never even bubble up now, you know. But um, through that, I probably heard Rancid. Yeah. Uh, I know they played Rancid on our local rock radio station. I know they played Social Distortion on our local rock radio station. So I got into punk rock and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I'm sure I would have heard ska music you know of the third wave variety i don't think i ever really got into it like i know i had a less than jake record i know i had i had two no doubt i had no doubts like beacon street or whatever that one was before i know i had that but um through punk rock first i probably would have heard the slackers on that uh, hellcat mm-hmm. sample. give them the boot yeah man that that turned a lot of people on to the 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 more traditional stuff 
old man did it. You know, it was like all the comps that had yeah. ska bands or had like a lot yeah. of really cheesy shit. And then that came out and that had like yeah. some of the, the really hard hitting traditional guys. And, and hearing it like in, in like this mixed context, like if I had just maybe, if somebody had just handed me like a Slackers record or a Hepcat record, I might not have like got it, you know? Yeah. But like hearing yeah. that the very next song was, you know, uh, I can't even think of what else was on there like that. Uh, well, I think the Scatolites were on on that on on some oh, of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah Latin Go Ska was on there, and like the Silencers that that Tim Armstrong with Vic thing. You know that Policeman was really good. Um, thing, I mean, like they they did a good job always, and I like that Hellcat the way that they sort of position Ska within their you know like their whole catalog is 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 you know it's almost yeah. like they try and portrayed as like this almost like a weird sibling of, a, of like punk rock you know and i think yeah, that that's yeah. like was, right was, you know so like it sucks when you kind of run into stuff that that characterizes it as like something a little bit goofier or whatever i think on the episode that we just listened to and you're yeah. gonna this is like one of the fucked up things with recording something and then it comes out way later is that i'm referencing something i just heard so like in the in interview with eddie <laughs> uh he talks about you know how he's like you know, why the hell did people think this way about like mozzarella sticks and shit with Sky? He's like, dude, this was like a tough, this was like a tough scene, yeah. man. And like Hellcat kind of does that, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we had like here in Fort Myers, like uh, I kind of fell, fell into, I was, they were all older than me, but like we had our own little, like our own like skinhead crew. They called themselves first, first street mob, you know? And like our own little mini, you know, trying to be New York, you know what I mean? In this dumb little town in Florida, you know? But it was all kids listening to Hellcat, listening to Rancid, listening to the Slackers and that kind of shit. Like we had the Slackers play in Fort Myers and like. Well, th- that's oh, recent, but that. like in like 2004. Oh, shit. 2000, not even, no. I would have been in high school still. So it was in the year 2000. They played, Damn. they played at, uh, remember Pyramids Nightclub? And then it became Shit. Neptunes. Yeah. They played. They played there, um, which is now, which is now like a GED school. It used to be. <laughs> and now it's like a, a GED school. But, um, yeah. That's crazy. I was, I was definitely in South Florida at that time. I wonder if like, because they used to come through and they would play like if they went down there they would play church. Oh yeah, all the churches. Uh, and you guys, I, I'm from Miami, so I, that's another thing the listeners should know. So I, I have like whenever I go, I would go back home the last couple of years since I. But like, it's kind of cool because it's like, uh, you know, I see them going through like you guys play Churchill's you guys there's, you know, there's like the whole Miami scene. I think like Stop the Presses was down mm-hmm. there too for a yeah, while. They, now, I mean, they left they right before we started, but uh, so you guys like missed like sort of missed that little bit of overlap because yeah. mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like they're they're kind of really kind of blowing up way more now. Yeah. Uh, and they've, and they've been around for a long time, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they're playing South by Southwest this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Sure. I'm stoked for them. Yeah, but it seems like, to, to me, too, like, Florida's such a big, like, there's so many places. In, I, I know some of them are spread out, but, like, you know, you have Miami, you have Fort Lauderdale. It's, like, th- there are some really heavy music cities and places in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Florida used to have a really great scene. I mean, in, back in like the the night back in the nineties, uh, the you know Moon had their 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 compilation that they put out. You know that was all Florida bands, and you had like you know the Rug Cutters and Magadog, yeah. you had King Seven, the Soul Sonics, which was like the the big Miami band, the Pork Pie Tribe, all these like really interesting groups yeah. that like 
you know, Scott just when Scott died out, I feel like in Florida, it just like it it died real hard. There's there's still a thing going on more in Tampa than anywhere else. All the rest of it's really spread mm-hmm. out. It's like little islands, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a band in Lake Worth. There's a band in Miami. There's like I don't think anybody in Fort Lauderdale. There's us in Fort Myers, but like there in Tampa, there's still five or six bands. I think Sensibles, aren't they? Fort Lauderdale. I but yeah, but he moved to he moved to Gainesville. Oh, did he? So I don't know what they're doing as a band. I don't know what they do. Oh, okay. You know how how they. Exist what are the other anymore. bands you guys are playing with around there right now? Yeah, that was the thing I was I wanted to get around to when we were talking at the beginning about about gigging. You know, two or three times a month. It's it's like it's not what the rest of the world thinks of as a gig. Like when we talk about gigging three or four times a month, like it's, it's three hours, just us, you know, we set up our own sound system in a bar or a brewery and we play three sets with, you know, 30 minute break, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what the last, the last, the last thing that we did that was a multi-band bill was slack fest. And prior to slack fest, it was before the pandemic. Like that was the first, like, we call them we like we we call them Texas. like like we refer to them as like showcase gigs or or you know as bar gigs you know like a showcase gig would be multi bands on multiple bands on a bill okay. like you know punk yeah. rock style you know or like a show we call it a show yeah, a show or a gig or yeah. a gig, a gig uh, is like the restaurant yeah. where people are you know they want you to play they wonder if you take requests I think that's yeah. a fair yeah. that's a fair like naming convention there you know like yeah. you make the division yeah. where it's like one is a gig man like that's that you got to make a you got to make yeah. a dollar. You know? Yeah, and we still play our originals at the gigs. Like it'll still be, you know, what mm-hmm. do we have? We have twenty-two-ish songs probably that that we would play live that are original. Yeah. So we'll, we'll bust out like fifteen originals and fifteen covers to get through four hours. You know? Yeah, that's hard though. A lot, a lot of a lot of bands don't have that versatility to be able to do that. So like, I mean, I mean, there are a couple like, you know, around us like the Players Band. Like they're definitely like an outfit. But they have. Sometimes they'll have like 12 people with them. So, you know. One thing it does help us with when we're on the road, like when, because it's been a struggle, not just in Florida to play with other bands, but literally all over the South. Like, it seems like there's this huge dead zone from Florida to like DC where like no ska seems to exist or there's maybe like one act per state. And it's like tough to, to book shows with other people. So when we're offered stuff like to get from, you know, A to B where we've got like a, a really great gig in one town and then we got a dead day somewhere in between, we can just book a brewery or a bar or something like that and play one of our regular home style gigs where we can still make a guarantee, where we can still sell some shirts and we have the versatility of, you know, being able to play those three, four hour shows like that. That's really, really, really smart, actually, because <laughs> it's like, I mean, for one, I remember the first time I, I saw you guys and your band was just so insanely, insanely tight. Like, Thank you. it was Thank very you. obvious that you guys played like 24 <laughs> seven and it was just like, so, you know, like it was just like, wow, no, this is like they're ready to just walk into the studio and like, bam, knock it out. John never feels that way, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not, that's not, I'm not. I'm just looking at your face. You're like, uh, uh well, yeah, you're, you, yeah, you are a special critic of yourself, sir. So let's, uh, yeah, well, you got it, <laughs> yeah of course. I appreciate, I appreciate, I always refer to, I refer to from the very beginning of this band, all the stuff we do around town, it's our Beatles in Germany stuff. Oh you know? yeah. Like Good it's, way to put it. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. that's, that's how you get, you know, how you kind of catch up and, and, you know, you can do the math. Like I was talking about bands that we did when I was like 2004, you know, and now it's 2020 and like, so this band's been around for like seven years. So you can do the math and see that we're, we're like 
starting late and we're maybe a little bit too old, you know, to be like at the level that we're at and still taking it seriously. Like we should either be like hyper successful or weekend warriors, you know, like we shouldn't be like in the striving area, but like, I, I look at it as like, like stuff like that, like being able to play those gigs and still do our originals there, still be able to pay the guys their hundred bucks a man so that it's worth their time and still be able to put two or 300 bucks into the band fund. That's how we pay for hotel rooms and stuff like that. How we pay for recording. It's like trying to, trying to round the corners, like on a racetrack, like trying to get all the way on the inside lane and maybe every once in a while, like just drive across the infield if nobody's looking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. You guys are definitely like, you know, growing and, and I, I definitely, I, I think it's like, you know, amazing that you guys are, have some plans to do some touring this year because I know, you know, even, even some of the bigger acts like, like madness canceled stuff. And, um, so it definitely says something to try to like be able, trying to be able to like do some gigs and, and do plan some mini tours. Like, I, I think that's really important, but, uh, well, let's, I, I guess, how, how, I guess we could talk about like your debut album was like show up and that was in 2016 how, how did that come together? Like I, I you guys kind of talked about forming the band. Um, so how, how did that album come? How did you guys record it? And you also linked up with, with Jesse Wagner yeah. on, on that mm-hmm. album as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, we had the band going, we had maybe, maybe eight songs yeah. done. Probably. We were on that, that Florida Scott. I wanted to, first. I wanted to, when you were talking about Florida and you especially when you mentioned Magadog, I wanted to give like a special shout out to Ed Lowry of, of Magadog and, Oh, and yeah. he was running a record label with this cat, Christopolis. I, yeah. I think it's, I think they still do it, but maybe a little, a lot more laid back. Are you guys on the second one of those close? Because closer to you is that closer, closer, closer than, than closer you. than you. That's it. It's like volume seven or something. There's a bunch of them. Uh, like they go all the way back to the nineties. Yeah, because I had the ones in the nineties. There was one that had like an Art Deco looking like album, like yeah. it looked like an old postcard or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in in Scott's and my old band, the Brentford Sound, um, we played a gig. So, like, I had been going to, like, Magadog shows when I was, like, 15 and 16, and, like, they would travel the state a little bit, like, you know, and, like, they were the hot shit for, like, Florida Ska. Um, so I, I had seen Magadog maybe, like, three or four times, and Scott's in my old band, we were playing, like, some, like, coffee shop in St. Pete, and, like, to us, that was a big deal, like, that we just got out of Fort Myers, and that we were playing, like, in a metropolitan area, and, like, somehow like, the Ska scene up there heard about it and heard that we were actually trying to do, like, a traditional sound and, like, not, like, punk Ska. And, like, the place started filling up with people, like, in their Ben Shermans and in, like, their, like, mod clothes. And, like, there were, like, huh. nine, like, Vespas outside and all that shit. And then, like, Scott oh. says to me, Scott says to me, like, that's Ed Lowry. Like, he, he spotted Ed Lowry in the bar, you know, <laughs> which is the lead singer of Magadog. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably all the Tampa two-stroke scooter club yeah, guys. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. So this would have been, totally. like, 2006, 2007, yeah, something like yeah. that. yeah, yeah. But uh, I know a lot of those guys. Yeah. So Ed Ed talked messaged us on MySpace after the after the gig <laughs> and asked us to play like their CD release party and shit like that and like we like didn't even introduce himself like at the gig but messaged us the next day. <laughs> so like so like I guess like you know he must have had like a little soft spot in his heart for our band like like to even have you know like organized a bunch of friends to come out and see us and that, then to ask us to to play their CD release. So we did and we had a little relationship with Magadog. But anyway intervening years this band was just getting together unbeknownst to uh ed lowry um but he messaged me on facebook to ask if he could use any brentford sound recordings for that comp whatever comp it is that that this band is on and i said yeah that would be awesome you know but i also i've 
got something bubbling if you know what's what's the deadline could i maybe get this new band that i'm trying to get going on it and that lit a fire under us to like like we were already writing songs like let's make a demo let's like have something and they'll put it on this thing like right away and then there was a uh a like a release show for when that comp came out that was at like an actual venue the crowbar which like i had seen like the agarites play at the crowbar you know it's like it was like a real venue so we got to play that like as our like first we, proper show. Yeah, it was our first real show. Like we had played oh, like wow. like dumb like open mic nighty kind of things. Like been like the house band. Like play three songs and then a bunch of open micers will play. Then play a song and a bunch of open micers will play and then play two more songs kind of thing. Like that was all we had done prior. to Is this like a like a like a cheesy summertime movie, like where like everyone breaks out and <laughs> yeah, <dance>? exactly, <laughs> exactly. We, except we were, ex- we were having a rehearsal night anyway, and Scott walked into rehearsal and he's like, "I was talking to we'll somebody, and they said they said that we could play down at the pool." <laughs> so we there just was a birthday up. party. Or yeah, something. so we just packed it up and, and they walked the gear like like two blocks down from his house and like yeah. set up at the at the community pool and played like our second ever show. And David, our our keyboard player, <laughs> he gets off this the, what he's, the he's quote a, stage. He was a, he was a college <laughs> diver, like like, well, like high diver. Like he's competitive and he's a coach. He was the coach at FGCU, the the university here, and so he gets off the quote stage. You know whatever we're playing, <laughs> he like gets in line with these fifteen little kids. You know, and he's this like tall stringy adult, I'll never forget. just I'll never in a row, a little short kids. And like, he gets on the diving board. He gets on the turn in the line. Yeah. Like it was just, and then a kid would jump and he'd take he his two take steps forward. <laughs> I, I'll never forget the visual in my mind of watching it from across the like, <laughs> he didn't he just told off he just walked off and got in line to go dive into the pool. And then he gets on the diving board and he's on the end like a pro. He's just like doing the bouncy thing like they do. And the then he does some, yeah, he does some like crazy ass, like triple axle flipping, <laughs> whatever the hell. <laughs> and then he dives in the pool and the kids are like, whoa! <laughs> it, 
it was it was like did like Fishbone come out and start playing <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Scott with you and Annette Funicello like yeah. out of nowhere? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is that is hilarious. Uh, the early days. A nice back to the beach reference. Yeah. In, like. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to to, to Ed Lowry and those guys because like that was the first thing that ever like lit a lit a fire under us and like caused us to record something. So what did you record? A demo? Well, when we yeah we did a little a four song demo yeah. that had uh, Little Havana on it and Fallback and I don't even know why and Swim Swim was on that. Mm-hmm. So those are the four songs that were on that. So we had those done. We had uh, a song called Bring It On Back done. And we had like four other songs that were like on the whiteboard but weren't songs. Yet. Bring It On Back used to be called Winn-Dixie Fun. Winn-Dixie Fun. Oh, the, gr- the grocery store? Yeah. Oh, man. Talk yeah. about Florida. Scott Scott had to leave rehearsal to go get get like uh, fried chicken for his kids. Like we were having rehearsal. What's the Winn-Dixie slogan? It had like the dumbest like slogan in the world. It was like uh, they were, weren't they the meat? They people? were the meat people. <laughs> yeah, that was it. People it's people. like we're the meat the beef people. people. Yeah, beef the beef people. people. Yes, yeah. Winn-Dixie. I, I, when I was fourteen, we were gonna call our punk band the beef people. Yeah. Is yeah. this is this a Florida? Hold on, hold on. Is this a Florida thing? Sorry. Is this a Florida thing? Okay. You gotta explain to everyone who's listening who may not be from Florida. So like Publix, Publix will have like you know like you'll walk up to a Publix and they'll have the big light up sign and there'll be a smaller sign under it that says we're we're shopping is a pleasure. And Win Dixie, it literally said Win Dixie, a huge sign, and then right underneath in smaller letters, the Beef People. We were gonna when I was like 14, we were gonna call our punk band the Beef People. I'm sure it's already taken. I'm learning so much about Florida now, man. You guys should have kept that name. Oh, it's such a shame. Uh, you would have to explain. It'd be like your 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 moment of skinhead, you know? Like it'd be like, well, look, Win Dixie. We we're not saying that they should have won. We're saying like the, the name of a store. Man, I'm hungry now. You guys should have opened up for the meat man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be yeah. such a good bill. Yeah, yeah, the meat people. Yeah, yeah. people would open up for the meat people. <laughs> so, uh, so a quick diversion to explain the the Win Dixie Funk. Scott left rehearsal to go like buy fried chicken at Win Dixie or something like to feed his kids upstairs. And while he was gone, like we had been you know playing reps on stuff that was already done. I'm like, well, I've got this other idea. So I showed it to the band and we worked it out a little bit. And then he came back and we had the beginnings of a new song. So we named it Winn-Dixie <laughs> Funk because we wrote it while he was at Winn-Dixie. But anyway, so uh, we, had, we had like five tunes, like four more on the whiteboard that weren't done. And Scott just reached out like, because we had some demos at least, he, he reached out to Jesse Wagner and sent him our demo. Um, the, the same four songs that we were like burning on CDs that we, we had submitted. Two of them made it on that compilation. Um, and that first rehearsal recording where we like played that sugar billy joss stone oh yeah 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 we sent him super duper love yeah so basically just sent him everything all the scratch recordings we had plus our demo and like just asked him have you ever you know produced a record have you ever thought about producing a record would you ever be interested in producing a record and god bless him he heard something (laughs) yeah (laughs) he heard something that he thought he could work with he said hell yeah (laughs) so he uh he 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 was down he was down to do it and we weren't even really ready to make a record yet but again it was a thing that like you know, like, gave us a deadline, gave us, like, so he's coming mm-hmm. in September. Like, this is in April. Like, we're doing this in September. I'm booking studio time, and I'm buying plane tickets, so, like, we better get these songs done. We better get them sounding good, you know? So that was how that happened. It was just, like, he just reached out, and Jesse was into the idea, you know? 
and then my my dad died <laughs> like like uh, right around that time and so suddenly like I got married and then my father died within a couple months of each other and that first show we played at the the release for closer than you was actually like the day of his memorial service so I had driven down to the show from the memorial service because I was like you know I mean what else am I what else was I gonna do I'd been up there for like a couple of weeks at that point and um, and I really really needed to just be playing music and it was a really amazing night it, it was like exactly what I needed at the time and then you know when that happened I suddenly had all this shit to like write even more about you know so Tucson Arizona was about that uh, I don't even know was kind of like foreshadowing of that. I wrote it before he died, but it was about like our, our like relationship that was uh, strained, you know, at the time. And uh, there's, I mean, there's several. Departed was about him. Quite a bit of that song was about him. There's a lot, and there's like a song on our new record that's that's about him too. So, like, there's there's bits and pieces that are about those things, you know, not entirely, but you know, just taking like a little bit of the feelings or or whatever I was going through and. And you know there was plenty to write about, so we we had a couple of love songs, we had a couple of really fun like dance numbers, we had um, <clears throat> we had some like ragers, and we had Windexy Funk. So <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure the lyrics to Windexy Funk were just as sort of personal and sincere and like oh. you know as as all the other oh, ones yeah. are coming from the Heart same felt. place, right? You know. Oh yeah, so so good. Well, we figured out that we had to give when we would just like have a jam and have to give it like a working title so that we have a way of referring to it in the band room. We figured out we had to give them ridiculous <laughs> names or else she'd write the lyrics about around the thing. around as if it was a theme, you know, like a prompt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like fallback. Fallback. We named fallback when <laughs> yeah. it was just a rhythm. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Little Havana when it was just a rhythm. We named him. We named him that. And then she wrote lyrics that felt like those titles. And it's like, well. We're gonna have to start giving them like ridiculous titles so that she doesn't do that. So that she just kind of writes and kind of takes it and starts in a more organic place. Yeah, but like it's poisoning the well. It's kind of an interesting idea to sort of like come up with a theme or idea for a song. You know, something like if it is like the idea of like falling back, right? And then saying yeah, like, yeah. what if we can apply that musically? What if we can apply that into you know the lyrical content of it? I mean, there's something yeah. to that. I I think you know where you're going with this is like, yeah, things are getting way more. It just felt like if that went on forever, it would be like a Fugazi experiment kind of thing. <laughs> hey, you man, know what I mean, like it would be. Ian MacKay made a whole life of that, man. <laughs> yeah, but like, but I, I just mean like, like, like I we I just you know I didn't want to like it's, you're already putting constraints on the band by saying all, right, all the songs have to be reggae tinged with soul music, and also. The band's gonna write rhythms and hand them to you with names and write, the, you know what I mean? Write the song yeah, that yeah, feels like sure. the thing. You know, it just felt like one too many rules. You know, but that's that's also where the where the idea for ridiculous working titles kind of came from. It was kind of Kenneth Burkean, you know, like you'd, a name gives, you know, like the name, the name creates the meaning of the thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So do it's it, cool. Do it one or, once or twice, but I didn't want to make it like a thing the band did, like as part of the band has. So, so you guys, you guys put out the album yourselves, right? Like the debut, like your debut, you yeah. put it out, you got vinyl pressed. Mm -hmm. Was it kind of like, did you guys do a Kickstarter for that or was it just kind of? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's we did, cool. yeah. 
Probably won't do that again. <laughs> why, why, why is that? You know, <laughs> it was just a nightmare. And we had to like line up turnover. Like in the meantime, like David, like it was, was it that David graduated or that he got a different job? And I don't remember. The bottom line was that we were having lineup changes that like, you know, we had promised these things to people and suddenly the people that had promised those things were kind of like fading out of the band. And then we had to find people to replace them to do the things we promised. And then we had gig commitments and things like that. And it just became a fucking nightmare. And um, like, I've, I've, I feel like I feel so sorry for the people that didn't get what they, they, you know, they asked for. But I think we refunded. Yeah, we had quite to, a few people yeah, for, because of that. For the cover song stuff, we had to refund refund stuff, and everybody else just had to wait forever for their, yeah. their physical goods. You know, it was it just it's just a huge nightmare. As you can imagine, like from the the ska scene not being enormous um, as it is, like finding people who can like. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's, this is a giant. This is a global, uh, you know, ska yeah, Mike, scene. Mike told us that you guys get about nine hundred thousand downloads per episode. Is that about about what we're walking into? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which, which I think in turn is what like uh, an eighth of a penny. I want to talk. I want to talk to Mike's accountant because uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. His numbers are a little, well, uh, just little, Mike little off there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Numbers aren't my forte. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, that's. I mean, it's fair though because he has a he has a server in his in his office there that's down to get eight hundred ninety nine thousand times. So he's, he's the one earning all the money. <laughs> Just have him open up his closet too. If he opens up his closet, all all of his Adidas shoes will fall out. Too. Uh, sorry, I've I've been siphoning all the money <laughs> from the uh, Scott. Sorry about that. That's how, that's how he's paying for his Adidas, man. AJ's over there, like, trying to, like, rig the system on Spotify. <laughs> Shit. You know, like, finding people who can play this style of music is way harder than people, like, finding people who are willing to learn how to play this style of music. So then you have a learning curve, you know, if you find people who are willing to learn it. Um, then we invest in those people and we teach them, like, what we know. Like, we teach them what we've been taught and 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 then we you know we've we've gone through a lot of lineup changes in this band and it's like it's partly i think because of our age you know like this is the age where people are like bowing out of this stuff um you know or they're into the glamour of it like they want to do things like maybe the easier way or the way that they they see it and and it's just finding people that can align with your goals and are willing to play the style of music the way it need you know it should be played or the way that we're trying to play it you know it's just complicated and so in Florida like we've got people that tour with us that are from like three different towns you know when we go out of state so cuz our our local guys can't come with us all the time so yeah i remember when uh we first met, and I think I can't remember if we had played a gig together or what the deal was, but um, we were talking about stuff because you know I, I kind of know where you, your part of Florida is, and, and I think Rick Rick was playing keys uh, yeah. at the time, yeah. And we got to talking about where he was from. He's like, "Nah, man, I drive like what, like an hour, two hours out to go play yeah, yeah. practice." Yeah, yeah. well, minutes, that's a commitment it's from for rehearsals, and yeah. it was the same thing with Mike Fender. Yeah, when when Mike Fender, uh, the second time we played with you guys was when Mike Fender. Was <laughs> yeah, I he's awesome. I love Fender. <laughs> yeah. 
He's on the record, and he's yeah. don't he's use fantastic. his first name. He doesn't. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. He doesn't like to be called Mike. He's Fender. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Fender. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, he, he was that. coming from Sarasota, and that's that's why that's why it wasn't going to work out for him. You know, it's like we, it's it's when you get to be the age that he is, the age that we are, which is the same age. Like it either needs, and we're not going to tell you what it is. It either needs to be twenty two. Like, yeah. 20, <laughs> well, we're, we've been doing it for a while. We're twenty four now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, like it either needs to like like take off now or it needs to be like a passion project, you know. And Mike is also Fender. Fender is an, another cat who's who's you know gigging for a living. So yeah, and he's been playing with you guys for a while, right? Like he started because I think when I saw you guys first time in DC, he you guys had just picked him up or something. Yeah, yeah. So about three years. Yeah, he played with us for like three years. Yeah. Um, and he's on the latest record too, right? He's on that record, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had to he had to split like right before the pandemic hit. We we did a tour in November, and that was like the beginning of of him what? stepping out. Yeah, he he, he couldn't, couldn't do that tour with us, and that was like that was the beginning of of Mike having to kind of split. Um, but like when we're doing all this work at at home, so that we can you know, kind of keep the band fund high enough to go out. Like we're not in demand enough that we can, you know, demand guarantees on the road. Like it's a lot of door deals on the road, but we also, we've sold every copy of our record. We're going to sell in Fort Myers, you know, so we got to go somewhere to sell these, these records, you know? Yeah. Um, so if it's, we're doing all these gigs, they're all 90 minutes from him. And he's like, I could be playing the blues in my hometown for that hundred dollars a man or for even playing a trio and make $200 a man instead of playing in a six, five, six piece band. It just stopped making sense for him, you know? Yeah. So yep. you got to I mean, you, you got to respect it, you know, yeah. it's, it's, but in a perfect world, we would find somebody who wasn't so far away. And that's kind of where we are now. We've, we've, well, I guess he is just as far away. Huh? No, he's like 40 minutes closer. Uh, well, yeah, it we, still takes him about an hour to get to rehearsal. Yeah. Our new drummer. That's just, Man. you know, being in Florida, everything's an hour from everything, you know? Hi, it's Bob. I'm here with the other Ska Dads, Ryan, Mike, and AJ. Yeah, we wanted to let you know about a fundraiser we've launched. Have you seen the uh, Dance Craze-inspired design we made for our social media? 
know. Well, a bunch of dads ask, so we're putting on a shirt for everyone. You can get one when you make a donation to our fundraising drive on Indiegogo. Visit theworldsgreatestgoddad.com to learn more. Hey, 